It didn't work. After that, I got very busy thinking about what to do next. Should I tell her? I preferred honesty, but it wasn't that simple. Spirit is so important in fighting disease. I decided not to tell her the full diagnosis. The only real issue was whether or not to operate. That was not a tough decision for me. If there was the least chance, I wanted her to have the operation. Don't hesitate, I told the surgeon. She's only 58, and she's my mom. During the ensuing months, Joy and I visited my mother almost daily. Lots of time to reflect, lots of time, lots of time. Except I always thought that Mom and I would have so much more time together. It's just as Cervantes said, Life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you wish, but you can only spend it once. Waves of questions overwhelm me. What's going on? Why can't I fix this? Throw some money at it and make it all better. When will this nightmare go away? I was angry, not just at the passage of time, but especially at myself. Why was I doing what I was doing? Why run so fast if I had no mom around to be proud of me? During those months of not knowing, I came to cherish a relationship that before had really never been as close as mom and I pretended. And I learned a lot. I learned that my mother dragged herself into her office, lying on the floor next to her desk because she could not sit at it. She was there because she loved her work so much. Would I do that? My mother was still alive the next March when the doctors opened her up again to operate. I was told that if they found anything they could not take care of very easily, they would just close her up again and let her live the rest of her precious few days in peace, maybe all the way until summer. I was numb, afraid to feel anything real, I guess. I waited for the call. The phone rang. The doctors had taken a look and decided not to operate further. I swallowed hard. There was a pause, and then the doctor used a beautiful five-letter word. Clean, he said. Your mother is clean. No sign of any cancer. Complete microscopic absence. Days passed before I could grasp the miracle. Mom had been given a second life. And in the process, Mark Albion had been given a second life too. What would we do with these gifts? Mom had made it with the help of love, luck, and a never-say-die attitude. She threw herself into her work with even more passion and energy and built a company nationally praised for its unique market niche, humanistic work conditions, and community efforts. A touch of grace came that September. Her first grandchild, Amanda, was born and would fulfill Mom's personal dream of becoming a ballerina. Mom had always wanted a little girl in addition to a son. If cancer had won, she never would have met her beloved Amanda. Mom was blessed with another special grandchild in 1991, Nicolette. Mom's a devoted grandmother now, a CEO who makes sure she spends ample time with her grandchildren at least once a week. She has shown me and hundreds of others that one courageous person can indeed make a difference. That crisis helped me build a special relationship with my mother, one that might have been impossible without the catalyst of cancer. But the question remained, would I have the courage to follow my own path now that I had been jolted into understanding? I suddenly felt the emptiness of what just yesterday I had called success. Having acquired all the trappings that everyone around me longed for, I discovered they were now nothing more than meaningless ornaments. I often heard myself say, doing research on the use of brand names is not cancer research. How did I end up doing this? I had broken one of my own guidelines. Don't get really good at something you don't want to do. And I was paying the price 
an inauthentic life. After all, Lily Tomlin was dead on when she said, the trouble with a rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. What had happened to the me I used to know? How could I integrate my need for spirituality and love with my desire for material comforts and the good life? How could I stop keeping score the old way and start keeping score a new way? This audiobook is my response to those questions as told through the lives of a tribe of people I have met on my journey over the past decade. Like the pilgrims in Canterbury Tales, we are all travelers in search of the truth, a truth we would happily serve with our lives. They too have had their crises and struggled with finding passion and purpose in their careers, with integrating their love for family and community with their work. They are my heroes, my teachers. Their stories illustrate important guidelines and questions that will help you be the author of your own life story. Who are you? What do you want? What can you do? Where are you going? These questions represent the four sections of this audiobook. Each story is a portrait of someone trying to truly have it all by making a difference and being nourished by their work. All want to fit a meaningful, financially successful career into their lives. They were all seeking what Joseph Campbell called the rapture of being alive. Don't we all need to begin our journey by asking the question, what do we truly value? Many of us do things backward. We blindly seek the jobs that will allow us to make the money and obtain the status that we think we need. And then we try to find out what is really important in our life. Instead, you first need to express your own truth and serve it through your work. As the ancient Greek philosopher Epictetus said nearly 2,000 years ago,